Recorded live from Portland, Oregon, it's the Transamorous Network Podcast. Let's get it on. <laughs> Here we go. It's the Transamorous Network. I'm Perry. I'm Remy. Good What's morning. Up? This is Shannon. Hey, Shannon. Hi. It's been a good day. Great day. So yeah, great we got day. some really great things in mind. And um, we have, we're going to jump right into it. I know. Like, usually we like to run around and right, talk about some stuff, around. but not today. We got, really great we got a really huge great guest. We got a really great guest. Big guest. Yep. Huge. She's Very huge excited. and big. She's bigger than we <laughs> are excited. because she's got the full screen. It's Sarah McBride from, actually, we're just going to say Sarah McBride. We'll just say Sarah McBride. Hey, girl. Speaking Welcome. that, uh, yes. quick disclaimer, both Sarah and I are heavily involved with the human rights campaign, and the opinions and words expressed by both Sarah and I are not representative of the human rights ca- campaign, but are our own opinions and feelings. Wow. So, like, you know. That was like you were reading from a script, right? It's like the end of a of a drug crawl. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Asterisk, asterisk. Don't sue me. Asterisk, asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sarah, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank welcome. you. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I mean, it's it's uh, still as working through the results of the election and and sort of figuring uh. out how we all move forward but uh doing as well as can be doing I'm, as i'm like i swear to god i'm an endless optimist and i do think that some positive things can come to this but they're so hard to engage with it's just uh yeah so puppies we yeah, have right. we have I like waffles. <laughs> <laughs> we have something in mind here at the trans network that will brighten everyone's spirits about the, the election the, the campaign we're going to be running Oh, we're not going to say it. We're all looking at Perry. We're like, not going to say it. We're not going to say it. But we have a surprise. Oh yeah, we have a secret, yes. secret squirrel plan coming up. Yes, it's going to lighten up this whole. Election. What a cliffhanger! You, right, know, right. Well, our last cliffhanger was you. you. <laughs> yes, our big secret special guest. To be a we have been. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, for those who don't know Sarah McBride, Sarah McBride, um, just to get a little political was or is the first, correct me if I'm wrong, Sarah, the first trans woman to ever speak at a national level convention, right? So far, first trans person. So. Oh, period. oh right. there you go. Let's, let's, awesome. let's, let's hopefully change that so uh, we have some some trans men and gender non-conforming people at some point. But, awesome. but yeah, here, first here, trans here, here, person. Almost 100%. By the way, do you prefer, as your identity, affirmed female? trans woman woman like what's what's your uh what's your word i i say i'm a transgender woman for me or trans woman um for me though they're two separate words uh i don't usually combine the word and so like my trans identity is separate from my identity as a woman as much as they interact they're two, I like that. two separate things i like that too actually I feel yeah that. i feel that i feel that yeah Thank you. No, because your identity is always your identity. So you've been a woman. You've always been a woman. But the path you took to get there is the transgender part of it. Right, right. And I mean, wow. Yeah, for me, my trans identity is my journey, my my gender background, whereas my gender identity is is that of is woman. Um, And they interact, but they're distinct identities. Here, here. So, so um, one of the things that makes you really interesting as a guest, Sarah, is the relationship that you had. Um, or still have, if you consider him as eternal. Um, I wanted we wanted to to get into that, if that's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, tell us uh, about. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so for our guests and listeners, um, we did a show right yes, after the national convention yeah. where we actually spoke spoke about Miss Sarah here and uh, your speech, and there were some things that we and I pulled out of that. Um, 
regarding your husband that I just thought was really amazing. And we wanted to hear more of that story. So, yeah. Well, well, to, I guess to give a, a, a little bit of a background, um, you know, after I came out as transgender, I came out in about <laughs> just in case it gets tear jerky. <laughs> Um, I came out as transgender in uh, 2012, uh, and I was serving as student body president at American University, which is a college in Washington, D.C. at the time. And uh, shortly after I came out, I actually uh, met a transgender man named Andrew Cray. Uh, Andy, uh, at the time, was a transgender advocate, an attorney. He was working at a place called the Center for American Progress, which is a, which is a progressive think tank. Uh, here in Washington, D.C., where he was working on trans health issues. Um, and quickly we became friends and actually uh, we we pretty quickly fell in love um, and started dating. I moved in uh, and shortly after I moved in with him, he was diagnosed with uh, cancer. What kind of cancer? Uh, it was oral cancer. Mm. Uh, so it was actually a, a tumor in his tongue um, that, you know, initially developed as what felt like a sore um, and it just didn't go away and it didn't go away and he went in to, to get this this sore or, or, or lesion off of his tongue. We weren't worried. Uh, halfway through this sort of minor outpatient procedure, the doctor comes out and is like, you know, this might be a little bit bigger than we thought and we didn't want to take too much of the tongue. So we're going to sort of stop the procedure. And then a week later, he got the news that it was actually a, a a cancerous tumor, um, and uh, he went under. Uh, he underwent surgery at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. He had his tongue, part of his tongue, actually removed, and um, a, a section of his arm put in and reconstructed his tongue. He had to relearn oh, wow. how to wow. talk and eat and speak and 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 really do everything that we use our tongues for. And he. Um, then underwent radiation and chemo, eventually got a clean bill of health. Uh, and, and we sort of went on our way and it seemed like we had two young transgender people, uh, falling in love and working for the community. We love a, a, a world of possibilities and potential before us. Uh, and then shortly after we actually went to Wisconsin for his family reunion, he developed a cough, uh, about eight months after he got the clean bill of health and he went in his primary care physician asked uh, him to go get an x-ray and the x-ray actually showed that there was a growth in his lung. Um, he went to the hospital and uh, got the news that his cancer had returned. Uh, it had spread. And um, then two days later we found out that it was terminal. Mm. Uh, and, and actually before he, he found out it was terminal, but, but after he found out that his cancer had returned, um, I had always known that if his cancer was uh, returned, that it would it would likely be a terminal situation because my brother is a radiation oncologist, and and I asked him a ton of questions that I didn't feel comfortable asking a doctor in front of Andy, and and sort of knew what would happen if if the cancer came back, and that the likeliest place was his lungs, and that if it did, um, uh, it was not good. Um, so I knew I knew that it was terminal. He didn't know, uh, and in that sort of two to three a day period, he said. If this turns out to be terminal, will you marry me? Oh. And, you know, I even sort of knowing that it was it was it was going to be terminal. I said, well, let's you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. You know, don't don't 
don't start thinking like that until you have to. I, I wanted to maybe sort of ease him into the situation that, that we were in. And then he, about a day later, did get the news that it was terminal. Um, and on the way back from the hospital, I said to him, you know, I, I know you asked me that question the other day, and I want you to know that the answer is yes. Um, and and initially we thought he had about a year left to live, um, but uh, uh, about two weeks after he got his initial re-diagnosis, his situation, his health deteriorated rapidly. We decided uh, to sort of have a shotgun wedding. Our friends and family organized a wedding in five days. Um, Really incredible. I mean, we gave them basically our color preference and they just went and, and designed an entire wedding for the rooftop of our building, which has just these incredible 360 views of Washington, D.C., Um, and, um, and so we ended up getting married by one of our dear friends, Gene Robinson, who's, uh, a a former bishop in the Episcopal church, first openly gay bishop in all of Christendom. Uh, and, and we got married in front of about 50 friends and family members, uh, as, as Andy's health continued to deteriorate. Uh, and then four days after that, um, he, he actually passed away. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I shared that story at the convention on the stage for a couple reasons. One, because for me, it, 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 it's helpful to, to, to tell the story and feel like I'm sort of carrying Andy's legacy and work uh, with me and that, that Andy continues to, to help open hearts and change minds even after he's passed in, in, uh, in me sharing our story and the story of our relationship. Um, also, because I wanted to demonstrate to, to all those folks who are watching the convention that obviously there's a lot of unfinished work, but that at the center of this debate around trans equality are real people right. who, who hurt when they're mocked, who hurt when they're discriminated against, and who just want to be treated with dignity, respect, and fairness. And, and, and to the degree that, that, that my relationship with Andy, that Andy's life and legacy can help do that, um, then, then that's a, a silver lining in all of this. But for me, and I'll just sort of end with this, for me... Uh, you know, I think some people get angry after losing a loved one. Some people, you know, question why. And 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 I've never sort of been the type of person that gets angry at something that I can't, that, that has no blame, right? Like the, the cells in his body never made a conscious decision to become cancerous. There was nothing in this world that, that was tangibly responsible for, for Andy's passing. But what is a choice. And, and, and what didn't sort of make me angry at the end was the fact that Andy only had a quarter of his life as his authentic self. He came out at, in college, which is an early age. And, and he had the bravery to say to this world that tells us that who we are is wrong, that he wouldn't spend one more day hiding. And what, what angers me and what upsets me is that, that, that delay in coming out, even at an early age relative to others, meant that he only had a quarter of his life as his authentic self, that other people have even less time than that. And it reinforced for me the urgency of this cause and the urgency of this fight that every single day matters when it comes to building a world where every person can live their life to the fullest. So that's what I carry with me. That's, a, you know, a, a not so brief overview of, 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 you know, what we went through. Um, it obviously doesn't include all of the incredible, wonderful, joyful, non-tragic moments in our relationship, but but it is sort of an overview of of 
the love that I shared with Andy and the lessons that I took from it. Uh, do you, um, <clears throat> so you're familiar that we talk about stories here at the yeah. Programmers Network as, as, as the thing that informs one's life. And I'm curious, you said some things during this telling of the story that indicates a particular worldview. Mm. Um, you mentioned n- not being, y- you, you don't tend to get angry at things where there's nothing, nothing or, or anyone to blame. And, and I wonder if you have, if you can describe your outlook on dating prior to you meeting Andy and how you think that outlook affected the opportunity you had to meet Andy, if you think it had an effect at all? That's a good question. Um, you know, uh, I guess everyone's dating history is unique. My, mine's unique in the pr- from the perspective of um, Andy was the first person that I dated after coming out as transgender. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think my relationship with him really provided me a, a degree of, of, of comfort and confidence and security in myself to now that carry with, with carry that with me into the dating world, uh, after his passing. Um, you know, I think my dad, I, I don't, I don't know if, if my dad had a, had a different way of describing this and, and, but I would say that, that Andy sort of felt like the first person that I felt really saw me as the woman that I am. Mm. And, and I don't want to say that, that, that we need a partner to validate our identities and, or that we need a man in this case to validate our identities in particular. But, you know, when you feel so unseen for so long, you can't help but, but feel an incredible sense of liberation and freedom when you finally do feel seen. And for Andy, that was, that was the first, uh, he was the first person to really do that for me. Um, you know, I, I would say that, 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 and, and I still struggle with this, that, that I've always been someone who really has to know someone to, to, to fall for them and to, to, to be attracted to them. I'm not really attracted to sort of the stranger on the street or the person I meet in the bar. And so it's, um, it's always sort of a challenge in dating for me because it takes so long and inevitably with even the the best person, there's a period early on where I'm not, you know, I'm not as, as, as into it as someone who maybe has oftentimes instant attraction, um, can be, but Andy was persistent enough with me to sort of give, give me the opportunity to, to fall for him um, which, which is, is a, it's a challenge in the dating world when, when, when that's sort of the way you operate. But I think for me, you know, I am so blessed by the opportunity to have, have met and fallen in love with Andy and the experiences I had with him, both the good and, and, and the bad have been such formative experiences for me and, and, and have shown me just how, much how, how much a relationship can be a blessing mm-hmm. to someone that 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 relationships really can be potentially the, the the most profound expression of grace in this world that it's really taught me to to I guess give relationships a chance in a way that I didn't before in a way that I was more likely to sort of shut things down mm. before and, and and I think it gave me the permission and the insights to realize that 
um, uh, to give myself the time to explore, to give myself the time to explore a relationship um, and to to, uh, not shut it down so quickly. Because if I had done that with Andy, I would have never, you know, I would have missed out on on such an amazing opportunity to to, to grow with so him. So it sounds like the the dynamic between the two of you was almost was perfectly matched in that you're not the kind of person who's going to fall for someone just by how they look, or even just really be attracted based on how. Yeah, they look. And, and let's be clear, he was a very attractive. I, man. I'm sure he was. Yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, it's but yes, it it yes, that's a correct yes. And and at the same time, he was someone who was persistent enough in his attraction to push through that. Yes. Which gave you the, the runway, if I can use that word to actually fall in love with him. Had yeah. he not been that kind of person and just said, well, screw this woman. She's not showing me any interest at all. Which is entirely reasonable. Right, exactly. Right? <laughs> entirely reasonable for him to, you know, say this is unfair of you to, to, to sort of, I, I don't know, drag me along or, 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 or lead me on or whatever. It would have been entirely fair for him to say that. But yes, he, he was, you know, for whatever reason was, was patient enough with me, mm-hmm. um, to give me that space. That so, goes into showing, you know, stories matching up. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you being in a place where the story you're telling yourself about life and relationship <laughs> matches, <Somebody's email> <laughs> oh, okay. matches on some level where he is in his world and how he feels about relationships and, and, that there was the perfect thinking for that to come together. And, and I think it's amazing. I think I said this after your first, uh, after your speech, that what you've taken from your experience with him was and has been motivational and inspiring and um, fuel to keep you going to become all that you've become and to be the first trans person at a national convention, right? You didn't slink into sadness and sorrow or whatever about his passing that you actually have used that as rocket fuel, rocket fuel, or, you know, I have have to say, I listened to the conversation you all had after the convention. Uh (laughs) No. And what I was going to say is, um, you know, for a conversation, first off, it's surreal to listen to people talk about your relationship um, you know, folks that you, you, you don't know super well to talk about, talk about your relationship and hear it. But I have to say that in, in, with the little information that you all had from the speech, you all had an incredibly, uh, accurate conversation around my mindset and what I went through and how I sort of moved, move forward after his passing. Um, and, and so I just I just wanted to say that that it was actually a really uh, sort of spot on on conversation. And I want to I want to say that 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 observation in particular, that we were sort of the right people for each other at the right time and that our paths sort of almost perfectly synchronized is, is really true. Um, you know, like I said, he was the first person to really see me. He was the first person in, in, a, in a deep way. He was the first person that I felt totally whole and 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 seen by. And also, you know, Lucky frankly, bitch. he was someone who was by my side when I went through a lot of my transition related care. And I don't usually talk about that a lot, but I think it's important to recognize his contributions and mm-hmm. and and support for me in, in that in that aspect of my life. And then you know, conversely, 
I was there for him as, as the primary caregiver through his treatment for cancer. I was there, you know, I, we, we were at a stage in our relationship where we were able to get married four days before he passed in sort of a, a last bucket list kind of thing for him. And, and, and that is, you know, as tragic as the circumstances are, such a, a fortunate thing to have occurred. Uh, and, and I think someone actually asked me, I was speaking to a class the other day and they, and we were sort of talking about, you know, what's the best thing about being transgender. Um, and, you know, part of my answer was, well, I'm proud to be transgender because I think it's actually been a path that's made me a stronger and a better person. Mm -hmm. no, no. Um, but also, you know, I can't remove from that the fact that if I hadn't come out, if I weren't transgender and if Andy hadn't come out and if he wasn't transgender, we would have never met mm -hmm. and we would have never had the relationship that we had, which is, I think, uh, like I said, been such a blessing for me. So mm -hmm. it's uh, it's just it's a it's it's a reminder for me um, how wonderful it is to be trans and how, um, incredible our community is and just how incredible transgender people are. And, and I'm thankful every day that, you know, my path was the exact path that it was because it led me to him. So I, I have a, I have a quick question for you, Sarah. So often when we tell these incredibly powerful stories, like right now, my heart is just beating. Mm -hmm. And I know that many of the people listening to this right now and watching this right now, their hearts are in the same spot. If you could offer them a takeaway or a call to action to, to take that emotion and move it to something tangible. Like what, what would you say that, what, what did you learn? Like how did it steer your life and how could we as people who are inspired by your story, take that and help it? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it underscored the stakes of this fight and, and the stakes for our community um, that, that lives are at stake in both, in both, sort of literal ways, but also in figurative ways, right? Mm -hmm. Like if, if people aren't able every day that a person isn't able to live their life wholly and completely and authentically, um, is another day that, um, that we're not actually living. Um, and so, uh, you know, for me, it, 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 as I said before, underscores the urgency of this fight. It underscores the urgency of making sure that we build a world where every single person feels safe and comfortable and affirmed in who they are and able to be who they are. Um, and, you know, not to be cliche, but, but that's, we need that kind of understanding in this fight. We, for so long, uh, the trans community has been ignored and then we felt like a burden. And now we're finally feeling like we have the allies that we need to push equality forward, regardless of what the political circumstances look like over the next several years. We finally feel like we, we, we have the allies uh, for this fight. And we need those allies to feel the passion and that urgency as we move forward, the same way they feel about gay rights, the same way they feel about other efforts for equality. Um, and, and, and if there's, uh, if there's an avenue into that through my story and through the stories of others, which I firmly believe is, is the case that personal stories are what open hearts, uh, change minds and, and give people the fuel and passion to, 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 to work and to fight and to march, um, then, then I hope it can do that. Uh, but I think, you know, what I would say is that we can't be impatient enough. We can't be passive. We can't 
revel in what feels like quick change because for those of us who are living it every day, for folks who are still in the closet and desperate to come out, but who, who see a world where, where they won't be respected and affirmed and safe, um, that change can't come fast enough. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, we need folks to love and affirm trans people individually in their own lives. That is a incredible and important foundation. We need people to see us obviously as who we are, but we also need people who aren't transgender to engage in this, in this movement. Um, because if we are only creating enough space for those specifically in our lives, then we're going to be leaving a lot of people behind. Um, and, and so, you know, I just urge folks if they want to be friends to a transgender person, that also includes being an ally and an advocate for the trans community. So let, let's, I, I want to take that, well everything said. that you just said, well yeah, said. and, and, and deepen it a little bit for the individuals that are watching mm-hmm. who are, who don't necessarily have the benefit of the stories. And I'd like, to, I really would like to dive into your, the stories that may be running in the background for you that you might be able to make conscious for yourself that have created the life that you have, because you have, you know, notwithstanding the, the tragic nature of the relationship you had, you had a beautiful relationship. Yeah. And, and notwithstanding the fact that you're, you're transgender, you have a life that many people would, ad- would admire or be jealous of given the stature of what you do professionally. Um, <laughs> And, and the circles you run in and the potential that you have in front of you because of where you have, because of where, where your path has led. So <clears throat> my, my question is, so, so if you think about a transgender person or male like myself who is attracted to someone like you who is sitting in their house thinking, I could never meet a person like this, this being you, um, I, I, or a trans woman saying, I could never have a relationship like she just had, or she just described, I will never meet someone like that. I will never get to where she is in her life. Ex- exactly. Be successful. So, so what is it about your background, Sarah, that had you, if I may be pres- presumptuous as to conclude this, come up with stories that had you be able to do the things you've done that get you where you are today, that, ha- yeah. that has you where you are today? That's a that's a really good question, um, and and I think I'll I'll sort of start by acknowledging a lot of the privileges that I came into my life with, right? The 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 fact that so much of the opportunity and sort of just general um, professional and financial security that I have is a byproduct of my white privilege and my economic the economic privilege of my family and um, and the educational opportunities that I was given both before and after transitioning and coming out. So I want to, I want to preface, preface this by saying, you know, I, I have to be fully aware of that. And I think people should be fully aware of, of those opportunities, fortunes and, and luck and privilege that they carry with them. Um, but you know, rich or poor, the fact that you have family support, I think is an amazing part of the foundation, like the support well, and, and love, like you mentioned your father, which means yeah. you're obviously still in contact with him um you know what i mean like that you have a relationship with your family that they threw this wedding for you and stuff like that i think is an amazing part of that belief foundation 
Agreed. And, and, and that made, I mean, that made probably one of the largest, if not the largest difference in, in my own life, um, you know, in, in, in coming out and not losing my friends at school, my friends in Delaware and my family. And with it, all of those, a lot of the things that I mentioned before that come with that, right, the continued educational opportunities that I had, the financial security as a college student that I kept, um, the just sort of love and, and positivity that continued to surround me in my life. Um, that was a huge driver for me. And so, you know, I want to, I want to acknowledge that a lot of this is out of my own sort of was, 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 was not necessarily my own choosing. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to remove any individual agency because that's not the case. I just want to acknowledge that because there are people who do everything that I've done who work just as hard as I do and they still face barriers and challenges and, and walls that keep them from having the financial security or professional security or whatever that I have, um, for themselves. But I think for me, um, I think the number one thing that has allowed, that has, that has, that I've done that has contributed to the relationships that the relationship that I was able to have with Andy, the, the, the ability to have a professional career that again, is still very wrapped up in my, I mean, like I'm, I have a professional career that's wrapped up in my trans identity. And I think that's easier to succeed in than maybe someone who's trying to succeed in an, in a profession that, that where they are literally the only trans person maybe at their company or that has nothing to do with their trans identity. Um, but I think for me, the number one thing that I carry with me is that vulnerability is a really powerful thing. Hmm. Um, and that sometimes the best and only way to secure, secure, to secure power is through vulnerability first and allowing yourself to be vulnerable and seeing vulnerability, not as a weakness, but as a strength, as, as, as a source of power. Um, I think that that's been true in my relationships and in my relationship with Andy I think it's been true in the in in the in you know to the degree that that my advocacy work can be effective. It's in that, um, and 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 I think in maintaining the relationships that I have, um, uh, keeping that vulnerability because I think empathy is the most powerful human emotion, mm-hmm. and when we are when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable in front of others, empathy usually wins out. So uh, so Sarah, when so it's it's. I'm not trying to offend, uh, but I, no. I'm thinking from the standpoint of the the viewer. So when when you when someone says vulnerability is the most powerful thing, that's a great thing to say. But how what, what is vulner- Yeah, what does it look like? So can you give me an example of of something in your life where you express that vulnerability? But to me, it sounds like she has vulner- vulnerability with a faith that that's going to be okay to let yourself be open and to be vulnerable because right. She doesn't have that or appear to have that conflicting story that if I make myself vulnerable, I'm going to get run over. If I make myself vulnerable, I'm going to be, and so maybe just the the sheer way that Sarah lives her life, I think is the very, but I think, I I think a story of, of being vulnerable could be more illustrative for the person watching the show than, than us talking about vulnerability. Cause some people might think, well, vulnerability means I have to let that person stomp all over me or vulnerability. And that's what I'm saying is having a story. Yeah. A different story that goes beyond that or underneath that vulnerability. What you 
interpret or your definition of vulnerability, I think, will make a huge difference in, in, I, I agree. in that feeling. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think for me that that vulnerability has uh, is, is 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 not. It, yes, it's not letting someone walk all over me or someone else. It's um, it's not putting up a front. It's not hiding what makes me scared. It's not hiding what makes me sad. It's not hiding what makes me feel any kind of emotion, right? It's, it's, I think so often as trans folks, we, um, and I, you know, I, I felt this way. We want to, we want to go up, go out into the world and demonstrate strength and put up a, an incredibly strong sort of facade, um, for the, for the world to see. And I think obviously everyone knows what's best for them. And if that is what makes you feel sort of mentally healthy, I think that that's important to do. I think for me though, individually, um, Allowing myself to to not put up that front uh, has has to sort of lead with authenticity, to work with authenticity, to express myself in ways that allow people to bridge the empathy divide between cisgender folks and transgender folks um, has been really important for me in my work and in my professional life and in my relationships. So, um, so does that mean, I'm sorry, I want to get more to an example. Yeah. And, 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 well, and, I, and I'll, and I'll give an example, but it's going to be my advocacy world. not necessarily in my, That's okay. um, but when I started, uh, when I came out as trans, um, I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware and I, um, I had always wanted to return to Delaware after I graduated from college. It was my dream. But at the time, Delaware had no statewide law against discrimination based on gender identity. And so one of the things that I was really resolved to, to, to changing was Delaware's non-discrimination law to include gender identity and expression. I had worked for our governor. Um, I, I, uh, before I had come out, he and I were very close. He and I met and sort of resolved to try to change this. And so my second semester of college, senior year, half the week I would spend in Delaware going office by office by office uh, with state to state legislators uh, in Delaware. And when I initially started, I wanted to do this thing where I came in and tried to talk to them about this issue in a very sort of matter of fact, this is good public policy. Here's why your fears are unfounded because of this fact and this fact and this fact. Here's why this policy is good policy, because of this fact, this fact, and this fact. And it bounced right off. And it bounced right off. I just mm -hmm. did not, they did not digest it. It didn't move them. It didn't, it didn't, um, it didn't carry the weight that I was hoping it would. And I did that, I think, in part to sort of disassociate myself from the very personal nature, emotional nature of the work that I was trying to do, right? Like I'm advocating for my basic dignity and my, and who I am. And that's a, that's a, an emotionally taxing and exhausting experience. Yeah. And so I sort of went into these offices trying to be the sort of objective observer or objective expert. And it took me a little bit of time to get to a place to both understand that that was not really like I'd go in with my mom and she'd cry and I'd be there sort of matter of factly talking. And I'd say afterwards, I'd say, God, you know, you, it felt like you're, you really got through to them and mm -hmm. partly it was, because she's a cisgender woman who's a parent and they were cisgender parents. And so they could relate on that level, but it really felt like they had, that she had gotten through to them. And I was just like, I didn't feel like I contributed much. And, and it took me some time to realize they don't want to hear that, right? Like I need to talk to them as a person who's, who's 
laughs and cries, hopes and dreams, fears and loves just like they do. And to talk about how this public policy isn't the right policy because of abstract economic principles of tapping everyone's talents or um, or, 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 or some kind of, of necessarily economic advantage for the state or, or something like that. But rather, I need to talk to them about how I was scared to come home, that I'm fearful when I go out to a restaurant with my parents that someone's going to kick me out of the restaurant, um, that I don't feel safe in my own home state. And, and to be vulnerable and express it authentically to these legislators, that was the only reason why my individual advocacy was, I think, particularly effective in that state, coupled with my, my, my family. Um, and so for me, it, it was sort of a formative experience to recognize that, you know, I had to be vulnerable. I had to feel weak in front of these legislators in order to gain the power and strength of political equality in that state, of legal equality in that state. And so I, and I, and I think what works in politics oftentimes is the same things that work in our own lives. Um, and, you know, with, with, with Andy's cancer, I think you try, you know, I would always try to put on a strong face around him. And I think that was important. But I needed, at first I kind of wanted everyone to, 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 to gain strength from me, right? To, I would be the sort of pillar of calm and strength, not just for Andy, but for the, his friends, for his family, for my family, for everyone. I can so relate. <laughs> and then someone showed me this graph of sort of the grief circle, right? Where everyone can grieve out, but you can't grieve in. Mm. And so Andy was at the center of the circle. He could grieve out to everyone. Then I was the next layer of that circle. And you can't grieve in. So I couldn't grieve. I couldn't stress. I couldn't cry to Andy, but, but I could cry outwards. And I needed to realize that it was okay to cry outwards, to, 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 to be vulnerable outwards in order to get the strength and support from those folks to carry through and to give the care I needed to Andy. Um, so I think those are sort of both a personal and political example of just like, understanding that it's important to be open and, and authentic in how you feel. Um, and, and, and that authenticity, that, that vulnerability, that openness will be, is, is I think the gateway to being able to secure what you need, get what you need to survive, to, to do what you need to do well. Um, and that, that it won't always work out, but it's, a, I think a necessary foundation. Awesome. I love it. I love it too. Do you want to talk about our sponsor? We are sponsored by the Velvet Rope, Portland's adult premier sex positive social club. You can find them at www.thevelvetropedx.com. And if you mention that you heard about them from us, you will get 50% off your membership fees. And that's www.thevelvetropedx.com. So if you're visiting Portland, Oregon, listeners and viewers, please feel free to visit The Velvet Rope. Say hi. Oh, actually, Remy doesn't work there anymore. I was going to say say hi to Remy, but... Well, I'm on a hiatus at the moment. Okay. Well, if you're in Portland, come see visit The Velvet Rope. And if you want to reach out to one of the three of us, maybe we'll take you out for a drink there or have you on the show even. Awesome. All right. Um, we could go on for hours. Right. Which means we should probably wrap it up. Which, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
Sarah, really want to thank you for being on the show. Um, wow, you provided some fantastic insight for people, I think. Very inspiring. Yeah, very, very inspiring. inspiring. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank and you. And thank you for yeah. being open and vulnerable about your personal self. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this is, we weren't, we didn't want to talk about your political career. We didn't want to talk about that. Right. We want to talk about you as a person and as a trans woman and, 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 and the love that you shared with Andy and, and how that has shaped you and your life and created the story that's continuing to go up as from what we can see from here. Yeah. Well, uh, well first, I want to thank you all for the show and and continuing this conversation. Um, it's such an important conversation to have. We need as trans people, we need to be loved to be able to carry on um, just to, to, to have the full lives that, that we dream of and we fight for. Um, but, uh, thank you for having me on and allowing me to share in such a safe space, these, 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 um, stories and these experiences. And I think, you know, to your point, the political is personal for us and, and, and I've sort of come to terms with that and, and realized that we need that, 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 you know, I have the privilege and the opportunity to share my story and hopefully help and a little sort of exclusive plug I'm actually uh without giving too much away I'm going to be uh, I'm writing a book about these experiences awesome. and the fight for trans equality so um keep an eye out for for that and for news oh, around yeah. that uh, coming soon yeah. we'd love to uh have you back on the show when that when that unfolds fantastic yeah and promote your, your work back. book drop yeah. great great <laughs> and it's it's kind of weird on this show to to talk about men stepping up but we do need to do a call to action Always. Well, I think today's call of action should be to everybody. Step up, be vulnerable. Yeah. Open yourself up without giving away your power. Yeah. And, you know, you can find anything that you're looking for. Very good. Very good, Randy. All right, listeners, tune in next week. Bye. 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 Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. Be a guest on the Transamers Network podcast. Send an email to info at transamersnetwork.com. You've been listening to the Transamorous Network Podcast. The Transamorous Network Podcast is a broadcast property of the Transamorous Network. Listen to the Transamorous Network Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. For more information on living a joyful, positive, and desire-fulfilled life, or finding love in a relationship, family, or within yourself, visit the Transamorous Network on the web at transamorousnetwork.com, on YouTube at the Transamorous Network, or on Tumblr at transamorousnetwork.tumblr.com.